This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Now keep in mind, this is the wisest man who ever lived. We're learning today from the wisest man who ever lived. I mean, this guy was, I mean, he was a... He was an expert in every arena. He was even an ichthyologist. You say, well, Pastor, what is an ichthyologist? He was an expert in fish. I mean, he was just brilliant. He was a brainiac. He said, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For thy love is better than wine. Because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is an ointment poured forth. Therefore, do the virgins love thee. I want to talk to you about important relationship reminders. Important relationship reminders. Now, when we talk about this whole concept of family and marriage and parenting and Just every aspect of it. I want you to understand, it all begins with God. It all begins with God. You say, well, pastor, I want you to help me with my family. Well, I can't help you unless I take you to God. Because the foundation of everything is God. I want you to see, Genesis 2, 7 says this, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust to the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. I want you to understand, God created man. Somebody said, Pastor, where did God come from? I'm going to tell you. In the beginning, God. Where did he come from? You're missing it. In the beginning, God. He didn't begin when the beginning began. He began the beginning. That's a thought-provoking. He didn't start with start. He started start. In the beginning, God. Before there was a was, he was. In the beginning, God. And God created man. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, I want you to understand The very first relationship was not man and woman. It was man and God. It was man and God. The foundation of relationship has to be your relationship with God. Your relationship with God. Now notice, God did something. In Genesis 2 and 7, he created man. But look what he did for him in Genesis 2.15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to dress it and keep it. So what did he do? He created man and he gave him a job. He created man and he gave him a job. Young ladies, listen closely to what pastor's going to say. Before, 
He gave him a woman. He gave him a job. Before he gave him a woman, he gave him a job. So here's a, just a deep thought. If he don't have a job, you probably don't need him. Because he created him. And then he gave him a job. Brookings Institute said there's a 92% chance that you won't end up in poverty. Pretty good odds. 92% chance that you won't end up in poverty if you do three things. Number one, graduate high school. Number two, get a full-time job. And number three, wait till you get married to have children. Graduate high school, get a full-time job, wait till you get married to have children, there's a 92% chance you won't live in poverty. So now wait. God creates the man. God gives the man a job. Everything's going good. But then something happens. And the Lord God said, it's not good. Now, now think about this. God created the world, the rocks, the reels, the holes, the hills, the birds, the bees, the flowers, and the trees. And every time God would create something, you know what God would say? He'd say, that's good. He'd say, that's good. No, that's true. Do you ever read the Bible? He'd say, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. God would create it, and he'd say, that's good. But wait, it's good, 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 good. Good, 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 good. But then he said, it's not good. Everything was good, but now we get to not good. It's not good that man should be alone. This is what I believe. Now, this is not, this is what Benny Tate believes. This is not, this is what Benny Tate believes. I'll tell you what I believe. Somebody said, you may not believe what Brother Benny believes, but after hearing him preach, you'll believe he believes what he believes. <laughs> this is what I believe. I believe that God looked man over from top to bottom. I believe he looked him over from head to toe. And I believe God said, that's good, but I can do better. <laughs> Somebody agrees with me. <laughs> I believe God said I can do better. And he took the rib of man. He created woman from the place closest to Adam's heart because he said it's not good that man should be alone. Now, I want you to understand something. God gave him a job. God gave him a wife. But before any of that, there was a relationship with God. Before anything else, get this down, folks, there was a relationship with God. See, there are four basic needs that every person has. You have them. I have them. We're just mankind. We all have them. Number one is the need for acceptance. We all want to be accepted. 
It's just who we are. It's something we have a great need for. Second of all, we have a need for identity. Identity. If you don't know who you are, you'll be trying to impress people by what you do. Acceptance, identity, security. We all want to know we're going to be protected and provided for. And then lastly, we all have a need for purpose. Now get this. Those needs your mate can't meet. Those needs your children can't meet. Those needs you can't meet. Those needs your career can't meet. Your job can't meet. Your finances can't meet. Your pastor can't meet. Your church can't meet. Only God can meet those needs in your life and in my life. Only God can meet those needs. So all I'm trying to get you to realize, the foundation for relationships, as I preach for several weeks, has to be, sir, it has to be, ma'am, your relationship with God. You say, Pastor, I want you to help my family. Friend, if you're not interested in a relationship with God, there's not anything I can do for your family. Because the foundation is your relationship with God. Back when I used to do a lot of marriage counseling, couples would come in. You know, sometimes it happens. They started out, it would be ideal, and they'd have an ordeal, and then they'd be looking for a new deal. <laughs> and they would come and see me. And I would set them down, and I would try to show them this simple graph, this simple triangle. I would say to that wife, you're here. And I would say to that husband, you're here. And I would encourage that husband and wife. I said, if you'll move toward God, if you'll move toward God, you'll get close to each other. But see, sir, if she's here, and you're here, you're a long way from each other. You know what I've learned about marriages? Usually somebody's moving and somebody's not. Many cases, neither one are moving. Many cases, they're saying, I've got to look at her situation, and she's doing all this, and he's doing all that. No, no, both of you just need to move toward God. Both of you just need to move toward God because if both of you listen closely, listen, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, but I'll promise you everything you're searching for is found in God. Everything you're searching for is found in God. And everything else will leave you empty other than God. Just move toward God. Just move toward God. Now, here's what I want to do. There's a man in the Bible. His name was Solomon. He's the wisest man who ever lived. He was a king. He was wealthy. He, 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 he was tremendous. And in the Song of Solomon, it's his relationship with his bride. We don't even know her name. We know she was referred to as Shulamite, and that is to say she was from Shunem. It was in northern Israel. But it's, it's the wonderful relationship between Solomon and his Shulamite bride. 
It takes you through their courtship. It takes you through their wedding. It takes you through their marriage. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This book is so graphic that the Jews don't recommend reading it until you're at least 30 years of age. Some of you this afternoon will read it cover to cover. <laughs> Never looked at it before, but can't wait to get there today. <laughs> There's some principles. This is Solomon's first marriage. That's all I'm going to say. First marriage. He knew something about marriage. This was his first marriage. And I want us to look at what made Solomon, so special to the Shulamite, and what made the Shulamite so special to Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. The first thing I want you to see is this. She said, I'll tell you what made him special. She said, ladies, listen close. What made my husband so special? Hold on was his lips. You say, Pastor, where do you get this stuff? In the Bible. In the Bible. Look what he says. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. You know, I read from a marital therapist in an article, it said, when couples are having problems, the first thing that disappears is kissing. The first thing that disappears. I read an article, a German article, a true, true article. Listen, men. It said, men who kiss their wives before leaving to work every day, on average live five years longer and make 20 to 30% more money. <laughs> hey, hey, this is not an exaggeration. And hey, if I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I didn't do it, I'd just tell you I'm not doing it. But Barbara can tell you lately, I, before I leave for work, I say, come here, honey, my life's on the line. <laughs> I mean, my on the line. Honey, get over here. <laughs> I heard about one guy who went three years without kissing his wife and then shot another man because he did. Who knows? <laughs> what made Solomon so special? She said it was, it was his lips. It was his lips. I'll just tell this story. I'll move to point number two. I heard about a little boy and little girl. They were boyfriend and girlfriend, and they were going to kiss for the first time after church. Went to a little country church, and so he planned it out. He planned to go down under the old oak tree and kiss her for the very first time, and sure enough, they had service and went down under the oak tree, and he didn't know that another little boy had beat him to the oak tree and climbed up in the top, and... Uh, he said to his girlfriend, he said, do you mind if I have prayer? She said, no, go right ahead. He said, God, God above, shall I kiss the one I love? 
<laughs> and a voice spoke back to him, and it said, Sinner, sinner, down below, pucker up and let her go. Amen? <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe God's message to us men is pucker up and let her go. Amen? She said, I'll tell you, what really turned me on about him was his lips. But she said, not only was it his lips, she said, it was his love. It was his love. Look what the Scripture says. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Thy love is better than wine. See, he loved her with a spiritual love. He loved her with a sacrificial love. And he loved her with a serving love. I, I don't think most men understand how we're supposed to love our wives. I, I don't think most of us really do. See, the Bible says this, men, in Ephesians 5 and 25, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. See, this word right here, get this, men, get this. Husbands, love your wives. In the original translation, in the original translation, that word love is the same word here. For God so loved. For God so loved. It's saying that you should love your wives. You should love your wives unconditionally. You should love your wives with, with great commitment. You should, you should love your wives with a forever love. Forever love. You know, I've, I've studied the Bible. I've spent a lot of years just studying the Bible. And one time I got a little frustrated. I said, you know, God, why does the Bible, husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I thought, why don't one time it say to the wife to love the husband? That's a thought. <laughs> and it was like God said to me, the husbands are supposed to be the spiritual leaders. They're supposed to be the spiritual leaders. And if the husband would love the wife like he should, I believe it would take care of itself. Should I tell you what? She said, I'll tell you what, really, I loved about him. It was uh, his lips. It was his love. But she said, there was, a, there was a third thing that I loved about him. She said, it was his lotion. She said, Pastor, that's not in the Oh, yes, it is. Look what it says. Because the savor of thy good ointments. You know what he did? Solly took pride in himself. Yeah. Solly took pride in himself. I mean, he was groomed. You know what I believe he did? I believe he got him some Paul Sebastian. <laughs> and she said, I'll tell you what, his lips, oh, his love. But when he puts on that Paul Sebastian, it just drives me crazy. <laughs> it just drives me crazy. Some of you men need to get you some Paul Sebastian. You need to get something anyway, whatever. <laughs> she said, not only 
his lotion. But she said, there's something that really I admired about him. And she said, that's his lifestyle. His lifestyle. She said, Pastor, what do you, look what it says. Because the savor of the good ointments, thy name is as ointment. Thy name. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. She said, there was something I liked more than his cologne. That's his character. There's something I like more than his cologne. That was his character. See, the word Solomon means man of peace. And she said, I'll tell you what was attractive to him. What was attractive to me was his lifestyle. He's a godly man. He's a man that wants to please God. And by the way, men, and I'm not going to camp here long. You can do what you want to do. You can be in a deer stand on Sunday morning rather than church. You can be in a golf course on Sunday morning rather than church. You can do all that. You say, I'm, church is not a priority with me. God's not a priority with me. It's fine. But I want you to know something. In Genesis 3, 9, after Adam and Eve sinned, Eve was the one that he came to. But Adam was there, and they both sinned. But the Bible says, and the Lord God called unto Adam, and he said, where art thou? Sir, you do what you want to do, but you will give an account before God for your household. You do what you want to do. You live your life the way you want to live it, but you're the spiritual leader of your home. And you're going to give an account for your wife. And you're going to give an account for your children. And you're going to give, you're going to give, I'm not trying to be smart ethically. I'm just preaching what the Bible says. I'm just preaching what the Bible says. We don't have a problem in America that couldn't be taken care of if men would step up and be the men that they ought to be. She should not be dragging you to God's house. You ought to be saying today is the Lord's day and we're going to church. That's what we do. It's not, it's not a possibility. It's a priority with us. God is a priority. God is a priority. Get this, men. You love your children. I know you do. Proverbs 20 and 7, the just man walks in his integrity and his children to be blessed after him. You want your children to be blessed? You want to do something for your children? Walk in integrity. She said, those are the things that made Sally so great. But, but what, made, what made her so great? Now, keep in mind, Solomon was the wealthiest man, the most powerful man on earth. What made her so special? Three simple things. Number one, her mood. Number one, I'm not saying she's moody. Don't get that. Her mood, and what I mean by her mood, her spirit. Her spirit. Look what the Song of Solomon 1 and 6 says. He chose her. She said to him, 
Don't look upon me because I'm black. Now, you say, Pastor, what, what, what is the context here? Solomon owned a vineyard. Solomon owned a vineyard, and she and her brothers, she worked for her brothers in the vineyard. And because she worked in the vineyard, she'd been in the sun, and she said, my appearance is not good. My appearance is really, really not good. And you know, uh, I, 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 I read that and I thought, there's, there's more to this. There's more to this. Solomon had an opportunity to respond. She said, you know what I know about every woman? I believe every woman at some time or another has made a derogatory comment about their appearance. I believe every woman, I believe every woman that's listening to me today has made a derogatory comment about their appearance. And she did. I heard about one lady. She was trying on a dress, and she said to her husband, she said, honey, does, uh, does this dress make me look fat? And he said, no, it's your hips that make you look fat. <laughs> he wasn't smart. <laughs> dumb, dumb, dumb. But, but I thought about this. She said, I'm, I'm not attractive. And look how Solomon responded. You're the fairest among women. You're the fairest among women. She said, I'm not attractive. He said, you are to me. You are the fairest among women. Because when she responded and said, I'm black, I'm not attractive. I believe he saw her spirit. He saw something more important than anything on the outer. See, there's a wonderful verse in Proverbs. Look what it says. Charm is deceptive. Get this. And beauty is fleeting. When we get married, women... Think, I'll get him and I'll change him. Hear me. Women get married. I'll get him and I'll change him. Men get married and they think she'll never change. fleeting. Ah, oh, this. This is good preaching. But a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Don't place all the emphasis on this, which is going to place the emphasis on the spirit because that's what's most important. Quit trying to connect with the outside and try to connect with what's on the inside. I can prove it. I can prove that it's attractive too, by the way. I can prove it from the Bible. 
When uh, Sarah was 65, the Pharaoh of Egypt said, I want her. I want her. Do you folks ever read the Bible? When she was 90, the Philistine king Abimelech said, yeah, that's her. I want her. This is all I'm going to say. I don't think it was the body. <laughs> but there was a spirit inside that flowed to the outside that is so, so attractive, ladies. And Solomon said, I'll tell you what attracted me about her. I'll tell you what attracted me to her. It was, it was her mood. But he said there was something else that attracted me to her. He said it was her modesty. Now, this, I know it's 2020, but I'm still preaching. No, no, I know it's 2020, but I, I, I'm still, still preaching what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says here. Why should I be like a veiled woman? According to Genesis 38 and 14, a, a veiled woman was with a woman who had the attire of a harlot. She said, no, I'm not going to look like a veiled woman. I'm going to look modest. I'm going to be modest. And you know what Solomon said? Your modesty is driving me crazy. He said, honey, your feet's got to be tired. She said, feet's tired? <laughs> he said, yeah, because you've been running through my mind all day. <laughs> modesty. Young, young, young ladies, can I, can I just make this statement? Modesty is still attractive. Modesty is still attractive. It, it, it's still attractive. Somebody said, well, you know, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap. Well, why do you want to look cheap? <laughs> see, I see her mood. I see her modesty. But Solomon said there was one thing, another thing about her that really turned me on. He said it was her mouth. It was her mouth. Look what it says. How handsome are you, my beloved? Oh, how charming. Now, look here. It matters not if your husband's the president of the United States or he's a plumber or he's a preacher, he's a whatever, painter, dentist, doctor. It matters not what your husband is. I can tell you what the greatest need he has in his life is. Oh, you said, Pastor, I, you know, I know what that is. No, no, no. No, 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 you don't. I'll tell you what his greatest need is. And the reason why I'll tell you what his greatest need is, it's not that I'm so smart, but the Bible told us thousands of years ago what your husband's greatest need is from you. You said, man, this is worth coming to church today. Pastor Benny really helped me because he told me what my husband's greatest need was. And, and he's just really helped me today. Good. And I'm going to help you a lot this month if you get here. If you get here, we're going to take God's Word. Everything I've shared with you has been out of this book. It's not been from some philosophy or some approach. I've just told you what the Bible says. And the Bible's relevant to everyday life. It's relevant to everyday life. Here's your husband's greatest need. And the wife, see that she reverence her husband. You know what your husband needs from you? 
He needs your respect more than anything else. He needs your respect more than anything else. He, he's not wanting your worship. He don't deserve your worship. He don't need your worship. But he does need your respect. He does need your reverence. He does need you to believe in him. He does need, you know what changed your marriage today? If you'd go home and look at him and say, I'm so proud of you. Some of you wives are saying, I hate this man. <laughs> I, I like Brother Benny the first part, but I hate him. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for how you take care of me. Thank you how you love our children. Thank you for how you provide for us. Let me tell you, even he, if he's an introvert, he, he, here's what it is. Even if he's an introvert, he's, oh, no, no. But deep inside, he's saying, bring it on. Bring it on. She said, I'll tell you. He said, what turned me on was her mood. What turned me on was her modesty. What turned me on was her mouth. I'm in the process right now, a young lady in the church and myself, we're writing a book called Defy the Odds. Defy the Odds. I, I think it's going to be, I've, I've written some books. I, matter of fact, I saw a guy the other day, and I said to him, I said, uh, have you read my last book? He said, I hope so. But anyway, <laughs> I'm in the process of writing a book and about my life story and our church's story. Harvest House is publishing the book. Barbara thinks it's going to do well. Uh, it reminded me of a story of a man who wrote a book. And he kind of like me. He went to publisher and publishers turned him down. That's what's happened to me, by the way. I went to some publishers and they said, no, no. We're not interested. But I didn't give up, and one was interested. Just stay in there. One was interested. And uh, he went to publisher after publisher. And finally, he got his manuscript, and he took it home, and he threw it in the trash can. And he looked at his wife, and he said, I'm done. I forbid you from getting that manuscript out of the trash can. I'm done. I'm tired of being turned down. She said, okay. And she did something. She picked that trash can up and she went down to a publisher. And she said, my husband forbids me from getting this out of the trash can. <laughs> True story. She said, I can't get it out of the trash can, but you can. And if you get it out of the trash can, it's gold. And the publisher got it out of the trash can. And it was Norman Vincent Peale's book, The Power of Positive Thinking, that sold millions on top of millions on top of millions. And you know what Norman Vincent said to his wife? Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for believing in me. What your husband needs is for you just to believe in him. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. 
And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.